When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Talking Cop. It's a full match reaction show. It's me, Matt, hosting. I'm here with Kevin Chris once again. Feels like we were just at this a couple of days ago, and we will be again in another couple of days after. I will finish. <laughs> oh, must be a women's game then. Uh, right. Finish. Yeah. Finish at Craven Cottage, one all. Uh, Liverpool advance to their record breaking, their own record breaking, 14th League Cup final. 3-2 on aggregate. Kev, just a pretty stock standard game. Another semifinal for Liverpool. A trip to Wembley now on the cards, 25th of February. Yeah, it's all about getting to Wembley tonight. At the end of the day, the performance wasn't what everyone would have wanted, but job done. You know, at the end of the day, we did the hard work getting the lead at Anfield. I said when I was doing the preview with Gav this morning, that this is not going to be an easy fixture. And it wasn't. It was it was just a horrible game to watch, to be honest. It wasn't free-flowing. There wasn't really anything that you'd want. You, you know, you'd stand out and say, oh, wow, there's a few moments. But it was just a shite game. It was a semi-final. And you often see semi-finals like this, you know, where it's all about getting through. It's all that matters. And that's all, that's all that I give a fuck about tonight, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, as Gar Mack points out here, you were the hardest working man in podcasting this week. You've uh, you've been covering the waterfront up in the mornings on other shows. Been busy, man. Oh man, no, I've been doing a bit, but um, enjoy it, mate. I'm, I'm off work at the minute. Uh, we're probably moving back, so so it helps to fill my time. You know, so keeps you off keeps you off the Xbox as well. It ain't a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and uh, if you haven't yet, go and check on the uh, Cop On podcast. Kev was on there on, uh, was that yesterday? Yeah, yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Yeah, yeah yesterday. So, it was good that, actually. It was enjoyed that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Owen just has such a lovely sounding voice. It's Yeah. I, yeah. Nice guy. Nice guy. Good team as well with him. Yeah. Uh, and Chris, uh, how did you enjoy another semifinal? Yeah, it's good. It's, it's nice when the semifinal up. We should keep doing it. It's really good. No, it was all right. Um, I was on the whole fairly relaxed about the game. You know, the last 15 made, made it probably a bit more tightly wanted, but I kind of felt the Diaz goal killed, killed the momentum for Fulham. I think, it, I think it took a lot out of them. And I don't really think they got properly going until the last 15. And even then, I don't think, if I'm a Fulham fan, I'd be quite disappointed with the... It wasn't that it rousing. The crowd, they're up for it now. It's 1-1. Let's go for it. They didn't really have that because you've seen away games. You have know, certain away grounds, you know, where you go like like Brentford. I've got to one one. That ground's horrible when it gets to one one. Luton when they went one 0 it's horrible. You like they're really it's very polite for them, and 
nice white plastic flags, black plastic flags, very Chelsea, just so. But listen, yeah. Fulham are a good side. Uh, I think we kept saying off. off. Uh, Fulham are a decent striker away from uh, from being a really, really horrible side to play. Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, if got, only they'd had good. A, a good striker that they lost in the summer and didn't really replace. I know, I know, because they've got a lot of good players. You know, William is just the evergreen. You know, Wilson came on, did well. Pereira is a, uh, a decent player. I like uh, Robertson, the fullback. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, they've got a lot. There's there's a good foundation there of, you know, of a you know really good team. You know, their aim is probably to be the next Brighton-West Ham, that Europa League level, and then build up from there. So, listen, that, we all thought it would be a difficult game. You know, you and me both hope for like 3-1 wins and just be quite relaxed. But, you know, we never do get that, do we? No, I mean, very, very rarely. We we shouldn't complain. We probably get it a lot more than the vast majority of fan bases <laughs> to watching teams that aren't oh. quite as good, aren't quite as good as them Reds. Uh, I should have wrote down uh, Kev and Gav's predicted lineup from this morning because I'm guessing they ended up coming pretty close to bang on. Kelleher and Nett, Bradley Kwanzaa, Virgil, Gomez across the back. Elliot McAllister, Gravenberch in the midfield, and then Diaz, Darwin, and Gakpo up top. So maybe maybe Jada not getting the start might have been about the only thing. Uh, you were pretty close with your predicted lineup, eh, Kev? Uh, go on. Kev's talking. Yeah, no. Um, I don't know. I, I would have started Kanate, and I wouldn't have started Diaz. That was about where where I was with it. And the thing is, when you look at what was available to Klopp, picking a lineup, you're only ever going to be one or two out either way. So it wasn't like he 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 was littered with um with options, and you could tell that Robertson was just going there for the, for just to be supportive to the to the lads. Like he he's, his his overcoat stayed firmly on his uh, back. Right the way through that second half, he went out for a little stretch in the first half, but he was never he was never coming on. I wonder if he might come on if it was like a comfortable three 0 just to get a bit of a run out. You might have seen him then, but I think you don't want to risk a risk it there, do you? I suppose. I think I think the other one as well with Curtis Jones. If there was any slight doubt whatsoever, you got to look at what's going to be available to you over the next ten days. Bearing in mind, you've got an FA Cup game at the weekend. You've got Chelsea coming up midweek next week. So you have to have a bit of foresight with it as well. Plus the fact, I mean, we started that tonight with three guys who could have been played for the under-23s. You know, uh, a second-choice goalkeeper, a front three who's probably never started the game together. And you could safely say the same for the midfield three. And so, your fourth choice. And your fourth choice centre back playing left back because he's yeah. just a choice left back, you know. So yeah, uh, and that's a league cup semi final second leg. You know what I mean? So the the achieve is not you can't take away the achievement that this group have made getting to a league cup final, especially for a lot of these young players. It's going to be their first chance to win meaningful silverware. You know, yeah. um, a lot of these guys aren't weren't in the squad. The last time this was a winning, a winning squad, you know, with silverware in their pocket, this could be huge for them. You know, this could be a platform for the next two, three years. 
to get that winning momentum, that winning feeling for him. So it is, it is massive. You can underplay that. You know, we can nitpick at the performance, and we will. But the general overall overarching view has to be that this is a really good, a really big achievement for for this group of players. It really is. Now we just got to go on and win it. But the other thing, I suppose, we could look at is um, we're probably one of the few clubs that don't pay this lip service to you know, to young players. You're you're, in the, you're part of the squad. We hear this. You're part of the squad, but it's a big game. We don't see you. Yeah, we finished four academy, uh, four academy lads plus Elliot on the pitch, and at a tight one-one, the easiest thing to do is risk Robbo and throw Canarsa, yeah. get the experience of the pitch, and he goes, "No, no, I need a midfielder." Off you go, Bobby Clark. I trust you to see this, see this out, which he did the job that he wanted to do. Of course, yeah. pretty he did what he was expecting. Experienced Matilda too, which is get it in the corner, keep it simple. You know, and it, let's say that right hand side was just pure youth. You know, so mm. big credits, big credits to Klopp as well. Yeah, and I mean, to be fair, the the game started before the goal. Uh, there's a quick little flurry. I mean. Five minutes in, Virgil plays an incredible ball. Diaz takes a great touch, plays Darwin in, shoots to the near post. It's never going to trouble the keeper too much. And then it's six and a half minutes, Fulham have their first corner, and the the tie should be level. The tie should be level. I mean, that ball lands perfectly for Paulinia. I mean, 12 yards out, Kev, go through whichever cliche you like. You got to test the keeper, right? Yeah. um, I mean, it was a really well-worked routine. Definitely well worked on because Joe Gomez was left with two to mark and he stuck with stuck with his man. Allowed Paulinho had the free run. He just couldn't get his knee up up high enough to get the ball down. He side footed it instead of lashing it. So he tried to get a good contact on it to get it on target. It just skied it. If that had fell to a forward, you could, if that had fell to William, you could be having a different conversation. But it fell to their number six. And you know that was a wake up call, and it the game the first the first half momentum shifted very quickly after that mm. because from then on we literally just grabbed the momentum and we pretty much bossed possession from then from then on up until about the thirty thirty third thirty fourth minute when it just got easy. And we got lazy, but for when we needed to grab hold of the game and settle everything down, after that, that was a wake-up call for sure. Yeah, and shortly thereafter that, about the last time they threatened in that early part of the first half, was they uh, they win the ball in the midfield, they come down their left-hand side, and uh, the cross comes in, I think it was from Robinson, and Kelleher does a good job getting a hand on it, because that could have been a dangerous ball, it ends up going yeah. out for a throw-in. And then, I mean... Yeah. The replay showed uh, from the other angle, uh, if he doesn't get that touch, it's just hitting Reed for a tapping because yeah. yeah. uh, he's got ahead of Gomez. So it, you know, fair play to Kelleher. To be fair, yeah, it's I, I thought I thought Kelleher had a fully serviceable game for us today. And Chris, we get on to the fun bit now. I mean, Jarrell Kwanzaa has more assists in the Carabao Cup than any other player so far this season, which I don't think anybody ever imagined that they would be saying at the start of the season. A lovely ball, and Luis Diaz does the rest with a little bit of help. Yeah, it's a bit of Virgil van Dijk, wasn't it, with Kwanzaa? I mean, listen, Kwanzaa, you know, me and Kev were talking end of last season, and we, I was saying, we say to Kev, yeah. 
he might come in as fifth choice, you know, said because apparently he did quite well at Bristol. Said, and I said, Kess said, he doesn't look like a kid. He looks big, you know. Said he looks like an adult. So I said, he said he looks quite calm with the ball. Said he could be handy, you know. Obviously, that's seen two, three Bristol games and a couple of reserve games. He looks good. He looked better than Phillips. And then you just go, this level of maturity is just ridiculous. You know, he's so calm, so relaxed. Uh, and I said, please for Diaz because I think he needs a run of getting a few goals like this. So, you know, and it, it's good for him. It's it's ultimately the, the clincher, you know, because it's the opening goal. And as the game transpires, it's the key It's the key goal that, that, settles, that settles it for us. Um, Cutting side, which he probably should do a bit more. I think he's under instruction not to, but he should do it a bit more. Bit of luck, because it does take a deflection. Uh, I mean, Leno, though, Jesus wept. Um, rules reversed. You crucify the keeper. That's us. If Kelleher yeah. does that, we're, we're all going to get him sold because it's it's one he should say. But listen, in terms of Diaz, he's doing what we sometimes criticize about, which is you've got the ability to cut that. Take your shot because he's got a good shot on him. He just doesn't use it enough. And listen, once it went one nil, I I I think I missed Kev said said you should just see this out now. I said I said Liverpool with a two goal lead just doesn't you know it should be all right. I mean I think they said. When Liverpool have took a lead this year, first, um, I think they said it's 16 wins and one draw. So now it's 16 wins and two draws. That's in all competition. So, you know, whereas, you know, when we when we get a lead, we, we we're very good at seeing it out. So yeah, look, please, 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 Diaz. Um, but yeah, so that bit of luck. It's not, sometimes you need it, don't you? When you know Leno, but yeah, Leno horrendous for the oh. Yeah, he's. Uh... He would be a perfect Arsenal keeper right now. They could have a full platoon if they had Leno in there with Ramsdale and Rice. Still, uh, it's I still, I still think he's better. Than, I still think he's better than Ramsdale. Yeah, not a lot better. Not a lot better. Sixteen and two when we take the lead, and I believe today was our thirty-third game, which means that we've gone behind in fifteen games this year, which is too many. Uh, Kev, did you make out exactly how the ball went in? Because. Uh, I guess I should yeah. mention as well, too, we had a lovely watch along uh, for the members, Gav and Emmett in the Cinema Pongol Pergola, sitting in Gav's back garden watching the game. They did an absolutely fantastic job. They thought it came off of Paulinha and Diaz on the follow through got it again. Mm. I thought it hit Paulinha yeah. and then went in off of Tosin. What happened? No, no, no. It, Diaz hit the shot. Uh, Paulinha got a partial block and it went literally back to Diaz while he was still following through the shot. It was like a double hit. You know, if you're playing pool and you hit, you double hit the white ball, same yeah. thing. It was literally he double hit the he double hit the shot. And you know, if you take you take your you get you take your luck when you take your shot. You know, if you're gonna be taking pot shots from outside the box, sometimes it'll just go for you. And other times you'll sky it over the bar. But you keep taking the shots, eventually it'll, uh, something will break for you. And that's what it was, is a bit of luck. But yeah. it was it came off the end of a fair bit of sustained pressure at, at that time. We were we were keeping the ball, we were winning the ball back in their half quite a bit. But we all as soon as we went that one goal up, we changed shape. And we went to four two three one with Harvey through in the ten. And you ended up with um who's it? Gravenberch and McAllister as like a double six. And it didn't allow us after we went to went up, we never got the triggers for the press right after that. 
because they were able to play out from the back pretty easily, pretty comfortably. So uh, it, it was a, a bit annoying to watch it because you could see that everyone, when they were trying to win the ball back, after they changed, they, we changed the shape, we were half a step up all the time. And instead of having your front three supported by your two midfielders and your six backing them up and your fullbacks tucking in, we were just one or two players short all the time and Fulham were able to get out. But we were winning it back on the halfway line. We were winning it back a bit deeper rather than further up the pitch. Just a little thing that I picked up when I was watching it. It was kind of annoying. But the other side of it is when we changed shape, it exposed Connor Bradley a bit more than mm -hmm. what I'd like. Yeah, then no, it's, uh, no. that's something that Gav and Emmett were really picking up on while doing their watch along was like, because there was a couple of moments, 16 minutes, 20 minutes, 24th minute, where Elliot's getting the ball and he's just got this freedom all of a sudden to drift. And I, I, I was expecting him to be the right side at eight. Then all of a sudden he's got the ball, he's drifting across to the left. He put a couple of pretty good balls in with his left foot, actually. Mm. But Chris, I, I think a lot of credit has to go to the to the donkey work that Cody Gakpo was doing to fill that space there because, yeah, he... He needed to get back and help because when you just look at the lineup, you see you've got Kwanzaa at right center half. You've got Bradley at right back. You've got Elliott on the right side of midfield. That's a lot of inexperience in that team right yeah. there. So I, I, for one, really like the work that Cody Gakpo did getting back, helping up defensively. Yeah, it's a lot of youth, I would say, especially with Bradley and Kwanzaa. I think on the quiet, Elliott's over 50, 60 appearances now for us, though. So you can't really call him an experienced player. Now. He's a very young player, but... You know, he's experienced the highs and lows of Liverpool already. Uh, I thought Gakpo on the right-hand side did really well. It's not a position I thought would suit him. But I thought he was very clever. You know, kept the ball, kept the ball well. You know, quick free kicks, you know. Um, so I was actually surprised, pleasantly surprised how well he did. Yeah, I'm some disagreement in the chat over uh, the efficacy of Harvey Elliott today. I, I, I thought he had another good game. No, I didn't. I, I thought he was out. I thought playing in that once he sh shifted into the ten, he lost his effectiveness with and without the ball. Um, it it didn't help him with the lack of support around him. Um, I think eventually, when he gets a bit more mature, um, it's a position I think he can definitely play. But I just didn't think he was very effective when he made the switch. He was fine at the start of the game. I. I had no problem with him when he was playing in the three-man midfield. So he did he did fine. But when he was asked to go into that 10 role, and he he just he was here, he was neither here nor there. It was he was very meh. I thought you know, I, I, I've i seen much more, I've seen much better performance. Yeah, but he, he didn't get anything. I I was literally looking at the stats there. Is it was surprising how when I looked at it, it was um he lost six ground jewels, won one of six, um, four recoveries. You expect more from more from player in that position to be recovering the ball more. But because he was not playing as an eight, he was playing as a ten. It was it's a different thing you're asking him to do. Normally, if he's playing in the eight, he's tracking back an awful lot more, helping Connor Bradley out, recovering the ball from there and playing from deep. But if you're in a ten role, you're not doing that. You're just naturally not in that position. So it's just one of them. Maybe it was just something Klopp wanted to try. He said, "Look, yeah. you're, you've got a two, you've got a two goal lead. Let's give this a go because in another competition down the line, 
in a quarter-final, semi-final of the Europa League, we might need to do this. So it give, give it a go. Like, it does give you a lot of tactical flexibility because you can play about three or four positions. Yeah. You know, I do yeah, think playing it, playing against Fulham seems to be a bit of a thing for him because um, they're fans hate him. <laughs> He's very different. Oh, yeah, they hate his guts. They hate his guts. guts. Yeah, don't get it himself. You know, I know he left, but you got money for him. <laughs> Is it the way he left? Because I don't remember I, it. No, I think... Unacrimonious. No, I think it was because the fee went to arbitration, didn't it? It, w- it was. Uh, he, he, he didn't. He didn't no, decide, man. but that's where the fans take umbrage from it, and I understand it from a fan's point of view. Um, if we brought through a player and he left for the trainee fee, that you know was the FA decided was the trainee fee for a player of that age, and he goes on to look like the kind of player that Harvey Elliott is going to go and have. You'll be kicking and screaming because you're looking at what Man City sold Cole Palmer for. Harvey Elliott's got every chance to be that player. You know, he's uh-huh. he's got everything in his in in his locker to be that player. 45, 50 million pounds. So if you're a Fulham fan, you're looking at you're you're a bit sickened at, at losing a player of that value. But that's just bad management by Fulham, to be honest. You know, uh-huh. it is what it is. But I think he was getting the same views. Carl Valley, if you know what I mean. He went to our prison. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, like a massive, it wasn't a massive fee for him, but he doesn't seem to get the same hate. No, it's just, it's because weird. I think that... I, do, but I, I think that's because Elliot is that much better. There is yeah. that, Albert, yeah. Yeah, I just yeah and like good, like you says, he says Elliot's in a weird position that he's been played and relied on for his age and ability, so unless these outstanding people deride him... and. People can't hate on Curtis Jones anymore. I he's no. had such progression now, and he's I, I matured still... into such a better player that we need that new whipping boy. It can't be Joe Gomez anymore because Joe Gomez oh, has been I outstanding. So I I still think this season Elliot's best role is being first sub. Whether you bring him on there as a wide right or in the eight, I think he's very good at picking up the pace of the game, and we've seen this season he's impacted games. But I understand why he started this because he started every round of the League Cup, and I do think certain players you've got to give them something. And listen, we've, yeah. we've seen that because it's um, it's kept him in tune. And listen, playing League Cup games and playing Europa League games, what got Endo into a rhythm where now everyone's like, "Oh, I could do an Endo starting today." You know, everyone wants him now, so you know that's what it helps. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, twenty seventh minute looks like we might have another goal, and. It's a oh. lovely, lovely finish from Luis Diaz after Darwin. I don't know what he was trying to do with a strange kind of overhead kick. Just absolutely smashes the crossbar. Diaz gets onto the rebound, slices it into the far side of the goal. I mean, great little piece of play Darwin was well offside, well spotted by the refs, you know, working without the uh, the VAR yeah. net to, to break their fall. We, we get a couple other chances there. There was a great tackle by Tosin Adarabayo, uh after uh, Gakpo plays it through to Darwin. Just He's the final man back, puts in a really, really good tackle. And then in the 33rd minute, which was pro- possibly my highlight of the game, is uh, we overplay with the ball out at the back. And on the watch along, Gav just goes bonkers. <laughs> he just goes bonkers. It was great. It was absolutely great. I mean, yeah, the rest of the, like you said, Kev, we got to about the half hour, 35 minute mark, and our dominance hadn't led to a second goal. Fulham were starting to come into the game a little bit more, but it it just kind of petered out a little bit and went into halftime. And 
No, at the half. I mean, look, we we allowed them into that game, and it was ridiculous. It was stupid. It was a there was a back pass to Kelleher who was playing halfway outside of his box between the edge of his box and the halfway line. Gave himself no angle to play the ball to Gomez. The ball went out for a throw in, and from that minute on, we invited pressure on ourselves. We were two. We were two goals to the good in the tie. There was absolutely no reason, bar a lack of concentration, and we allowed Fulham to have momentum when we should have absolutely killed the game off. Just draw them on, play the ball around them, play it through them, and pick them off. That was the immaturity that it, that was there for the last fifteen minutes of the first half, and. It all came from one stupid passage of play. And Kelleher needs to learn to, when he's in that position, you don't have to be that high to take the ball. Drop off, give yourself time and an angle to be able to play that ball, that switch out to the other side. It's little little things like that. Saying yeah, that he hasn't played, he, he hasn't kicked the ball in anger since the last round. So he has to physically. Well. He's not playing it's too slow. He has to physically, yeah. well. it's too slow. Um, yeah. Listen, look, we all know it's going to look. Keller's going to play in the final, so you know, yeah, 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 you know, that's, that's what we do. Um, me personally, I wouldn't because uh, I always think barring injury, play, he's playing the final. You should, you should play, you should play your best keeper. I know he's going to play the final because we know that's what it does, yeah. But also, this season, he's not been the same form as he was two years ago, so again, this is why there's a nervousness around him because well, he's not he hasn't been dreadful, but he's not been he's definitely not the level he was, I would say. No, no, he hasn't, he hasn't, and that's not to say he's been. Shocking or anything remotely close to shocking, but for the first time ever, you look at him. Yeah, you are a number two. You know, it's like you're. You're. He's at that age now where you're not looking at potential. You're looking at this is where your level is now, kid, because you've decided to stay. You're not playing enough football, so the lack of game time and game management, in-game management, is showing in your performances, and decision making is what cost us that 15 minutes of pressure that we shouldn't have had to go through. Yeah, and we got to half time and it was like, here we go, we need to do something here and just reset this and come out with a better attitude in the second half and just manage this out. Well, we we didn't exactly do that, but I mean, we do get into no. halftime. Uh, obviously, we don't make any changes. I will mention now, seeing as that we are at the halfway point, Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Got about 200 of y'all in here. Uh, hit the thumbs up button. Hit the notification bell. Subscribe to the channel, obviously. Please and thank you very much. Lots of our members I see in the chat here tonight. If you're not a member, four euro a month. It's absolutely dynamite value for money. Uh, Gav has been just cranking out the shows. I mean, there's three shows on today, two of them for members, and then this one going out on the public feed. Everything that's behind the members wall goes out for podcasts a couple of days after the fact, but with the new uh, greatest sportsman or sports person of all time series coming out, there's never been a better time to become a member of the Talking Cup and get into that Nippy Carpathians bar. And of course, I uh, just got to mention our charity uh, group that we're working with this year set a fundraising target of 10,000 euros, raising money for fans supporting food banks in Liverpool and the Lighthouse in uh, Dublin. Trying to raise some money from people that are less fortunate than us. I believe Gav has marked on everybody's calendars that they get paid tomorrow. So he will uh, he will be expecting donations. But in all seriousness, 
if you can just help us ticking along, we're already at over a thousand euros. So we're 10% of the way there. We're not even four weeks into the new year yet. So we're going to keep working on this and the build up to the golf day in Jan in June, first week of June, I believe it is. It's all going to go well. You're going to get constantly reminded about it. But if you can't, if you don't have the cash right now to donate, please share it with friends and family, throw it onto your social media and all that sort of stuff. If you're into that sort of thing and just help get the word out because like always, Gav has picked a target for us and we are going to keep mentioning it. And you guys are going to keep being amazing and donating and sharing it to us. And we are going to get to our fundraising target. So the sooner the better. And then we can all have a big party about it and celebrate. Second half, second half. Uh, I thought Luis Diaz had plenty of opportunities, Chris, to be the player that takes the game away from Fulham and, you know, sends us on an easy coast in and, Three or four times in that second half, he just made poor decisions with the final ball or the second to final ball. Yeah, there was a lot of passing when he should shoot, shooting when he should pass. He's because uh, FNL's in the build-up, he does really well. You know, he he wriggles out of quite difficult positions, gives us that ball carried up the pitch. Um, it just didn't quite happen for it. I actually thought, to be fair, on the quiet, I thought Darwin News had a really effective game as a number nine. Um, I thought. He constantly gave us an out ball to get ourselves at the pitch. I thought his link play actually was, you know, pretty decent. Like most of the down, it's, it's everything but the goal. Um, uh, but I actually thought Darwin actually was probably the most effective. Him and Gakpo, I thought, were very effective. I think the TV gave Diaz um, man of the match. I assume he got that because he scored the goal, which will make sense. But yeah. It's a bit of a glass half full, glass half empty performance from Diaz because there's some great stuff and then there's some straight up but i think yeah a little bit of a wide player so you know they'll go through stages like this mm -hmm. uh, and i mean kev there's it i don't know if you have any moments that you picked out before the fulham goal I, it just kind of felt like we were comfortable with our two goal lead you know we were happy to kind know. of see it out they didn't look like they were going to cause us uh a lot of issues and then when the changes are made on 66, so Jada comes on for Darwin, Jones comes on for McAllister, and uh, ex-Red Harry Wilson comes on for Bobby de Cordova-Reed, and 10 minutes later, Harry Wilson is... the It's the only time in all his appearances so far that you can really go, ooh, Connor Bradley, you look like a kid there, because Harry Wilson yeah. skinned him. Yeah, no, before that, listen, I'm on about 53 minutes, Fulham hit the post. Um, Oh, right. It was one of them that the angle narrowed on. The, I think it was the ex-United player. I can't remember his Herrera, name. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing he recovered from last week's near-fatal eye injury. But the, the angle just narrowed too tight for him. Um, should have got it back on target. Didn't. But, again, it was like it was. we were, too, we were in too much of a comfort zone. You know, we... we we knew we had the two-goal cushion, but at the end of the day, there was no away goals in this tie tonight. If they'd have got, got it back, got that second goal, it would have been penalties at the end extra of the night. No, it's extra no. time. Oh, extra time in this one. Yeah, yeah. All right, normally yeah. the, the league call. I thought, I thought that. It's only, it was only because yeah. the Echo tweeted out saying, we won't form a goal, goal away from extra time. I was like, oh, I thought it was just a penalty. Oh, yeah, no, I thought it was 90 minutes spent. <laughs> But no, you know they, they got not. their goal in the end, but it was pure. It, the, the guy who scored it didn't. Have, the opposite scored it. He didn't have a clue. 
Wilson skin. Well, Wilson skin Bradley whipped across across. Kwanzaa lunged in with a tackle, deflected up off his foot, bounced off your man's knee, and in. And you swear by the TV comment, any striker would be proud of that. Yeah, I'm sure they would because there's a goal bonus in it for him. He didn't have a scooby about that effort at all. He just got happened to get in the right place at the right time. And look, you take your chance, you goes in, you go back to the halfway line, and you start again. You only need a goal. And we were there 14 minutes plus injury time to see to see it out. You know, suddenly it was game on. You know, the changes that came that they came with, you started seeing tackles flying in, you started seeing an edginess to the game. And for a few minutes there, we, there was a bit of nerves crept in into our performance. I, I thought on about 55 minutes, I remember we were, I was watching the lads doing the watch along and I put it into the chat that Connor Bradley's blowing a bit. And there was one, I think it was about 55 minutes, he made a bursting run to get forward and he couldn't get back. You know, he, instead of sprinting back, he was just running back, just jogging back. You know, like trying to catch himself again. And I thought, you know, you've had a game at the weekend. You're not used to this pressure and this volume of football. Even though they've just had a break, it's still different. It's not like you're going playing Sunday, Wednesday for the under-23s. It's a different pressure. And anyone who knows anything will tell you that that saps your energy and that can take it out of your legs. So I, I thought, I honestly thought that they would have brought made the change for Robertson then maybe on the hour and put Gomez onto the right. But when it became apparent that Robertson was never going to come off the bench, you know, he's just had to suck it up and get on with it. He got sold for the goal. Wilson done him proper. Yeah. But other than that, I thought he, he had a pretty good game. You know, more often than not, he defended pretty well. He was a good outlet going forward. Put put a couple of good crosses in. Um, was unlucky with one, really unlucky with one, a low one that fizzed across the box was cut out by the center half, and it was really well. Yeah, defended. That was really good really defense. Well defended. That one, yeah. You know, but overall, I think you know he'll come on. He'll come on leaps and bounds for for these performances. But yeah. For you know, it got to seventy six minutes, and you're like, okay, you know, there's a, there's a game on here again. You know, we've allowed a game to develop where we really didn't need one. Yeah, it's uh, it shows you just how isolated the incident for Fulham's goal was with Bradley because in the watch along, that's when Emmett got up to take a leak, and so he didn't see the goal. And so when Gav asked him for his man of the match at the end of the game, he's like, Bradley, <laughs> it's like he was pretty culpable for their goal, but outside of that, yeah, I thought I thought he had another good performance for us, Chris. Uh, who in your opinion should never play for Liverpool again because we were scored against one time? I mean, obviously, Allison saves that a hundred times out of a hundred, and I don't think he does. No, it's just one of those goals, the, right? The, like the, the Bradley thing is, do you know what? I I just give Wilson credit. You know, he he doesn't with a bit of skill, which, to be honest, it's something that uh, William had tried all game and couldn't get couldn't pull off because Bradley read it. You know, gets an unfortunate deflection. You know, the goal came down our youngest side. Um. The one thing I would say is the subs were a little surprising. Um, when you think back from it now, not in the, the throws of the game, yeah, you probably have to kick Tate McCaslin because you're back from injury. I get that. I personally would have left Darwin on because I felt he was more of that. I'd have took the S off. If you're going to leave a pace one on, I probably would have left Darwin on. But again, 
we don't know who's going to play at the weekend and there aren't many rotation options. So maybe he's thinking, I've got to get Darwin an hour at the weekend anyway. So it could have been pre-planned. Um, but after they went 1-1, you thought, right, there's a game on here. Then another shot from distance, which is uh, um, it's a good save by Keller, but it's one you'd expect to save. After that, they don't really create anything. And actually, Liverpool did quite well at keeping them at arm's length. You know, when he went to four minutes at a time, nothing, nothing, nothing happened. You know, it was in our, well, we kept it in the corner for a bit, and they were falling over free kicks that they were never getting. If there's a Hooper, in the last 15 minutes, he sort of realised that full of players just fall over when there's a breeze and decided to stop giving them cheap free kicks, which yeah. also helped. Yeah, whereas Alexis McAllister has Raul Jimenez on him like a backpack and somehow the free kick goes to Fulham. That was that was the one thing really in the game that it was like, what are you doing, Simon Hooper? But I thought the referee actually had a half-decent game. Now, Christian, towards the end of the game, it didn't feel like they were going to hurt us. Do you think that had anything to do with the fact that Liverpool went to three at the back? No. <laughs> I just – I found it to be – as a longtime proponent of the three at the back club, which is now uh, defunct because there's absolutely no need for it because we have legs in midfield again. The fact that we went to three at the back, which I don't think we've used all season. So with this squad, I don't think we've seen in a match us go with three center halves with wing backs and with a double pivot of Jones and Bobby Clark. Like we finished with four academy kids. Harvey Elliott, Joe Gomez, who were bought and brought through the system, you know, like this is a real, that's a real credit to the work that the club has done from the youth academy up that we're bringing these players in now. And Bobby Clark didn't look completely out of his element. Bradley has been excellent in the last few games and the whole season Jarrell Kwanzaa has just been a revelation. Yeah. I mean, I think off the ball, we were five, four, one, but as soon as we got on the ball, we sort of meant Gomez inverted again to make it more of a, a back four. And then we'd let the two four, we just let the two full backs bob on. Um I, I didn't mind going to five four one. I know not everyone's a big fan of it, but when there's like five, six minutes to go, it's just see it's it's backs the wall, see the job out. And I thought the likes of Clark did really well in terms of, you know, the sensible things. Take it in the corner, keep it simple, don't give anything cheap away. And that's all that's all you needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kev, I'll be honest. Final, final thoughts. I was I I was delighted to see the see the back five. Absolutely delighted to see it, purely and simply because it's all about getting through. It was all about getting through the tie. Everything else, nothing else mattered. You lock it up and you get through the tie. The fact we went to a five-four-one and shut it down, kept them at arm's length. That's what proper sides do. That's what Man City would have done. That's what Real Madrid would do in that situation. You're not taking any gambles, taking any risks. Why the hell should you? Yeah. You know, you're one-one on the night, three-two on up on up on the tie. You get it one, and that was the best thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And I'd be, I wouldn't, I'd hate to see it as a full tie as a permanent option. Mm. But ten minutes to go, and you need to get a, you need to get something on the board. You need to get a result. Do it. And you've got the players to do it because Ibu literally did it at Leipzig for years. Virgil does it for Holland all the time. And Joe yeah. Gomez is comfortable anywhere across the back line. So you've got the ability right. to do it. I was impressed with Clark going out and to the left and the fact that he was a hold-up option. He ran his full back when he could. 
He made sure he didn't do anything stupid and he didn't take risks. And when the ball got down with the opportunity to put pin him into the corner, to pin it into the corner, kept it there. You know, and that's what you need to do. That's savvy. That's proper football. You know, it's easy to do the showy stuff when, you know, it's nice and easy and you get your 3 0 wins and your 4 0 wins and what have you, and everyone's delighted with life. Grinding out a result like that, massive. Absolutely massive. Yeah. The one thing it does help, though, Kevin, Matt, is when Klopp has had to try this three at the back, hold out before, he was bringing on Nat Phillips or Reese Williams. You were going, like, fuck it out. You know, to be fair, when you bring it on, Ibu Karate, you are sort of going, fair enough. You know, it's like if when City used to bring on, you know, uh, Fernandinho or, you know, whoever company's backup was, you're sort of going, that's quite quite a big name to bring on. So that's, that also does help. But listen, I've just made up with, you think who's not playing? And listen, Klopp's made a big thing this year about not making excuses, but we've also got to a cup final with no Trent, no Robbo, no Matip, no Tiago, no Pajetic, no Salah, no Endo, you know, quite a, no Sopper's life, sorry. So, you know, they're big players. And a lot of them in the final, assuming they'll play, a lot of them are going to feature. So some of these lads aren't going to get, uh, might not even make the squad. You know, so yeah. big, big props to the, the squad. It also shows the kids, kids have got pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. The, the kids are all right. Uh, Ashley, y'all giving us our regular clock quotes from post game here. Klopp says, uh, it's fantastic to see our team going to do one more final. I told the boys, never take it for granted. It's fantastic. These guys are exceptional. They work very hard. These boys want to win. And then uh, from Virgil van Dijk after the match says, obviously the right-hand side was not maybe the most experienced side today, but they did very well. The whole season already, I'm proud of these guys. It's only a beginning for them. And then I think there was one more in here. Ah, yes. But to be going to a final with this performance is a very good thing and only shows what kind of progress they have made. Hopefully they can keep going. And I, for me, that's the, besides the fact that we're going, you know, to Wembley to win that first piece of silverware that, you know, good seasons can really get turned into great seasons by picking up that league cup in February when the league is still hanging in the balance. For me, it's just, it's the faith in the kids to go out there and play. But obviously, Kwan's has been getting a ton of minutes in it. If he's got three assists in the competition, he's clearly been playing a lot because center halves usually don't pick up that many assists. You know, the fact that it's Kelleher's competition, like somebody had asked earlier in the show, you know, the debate of will Allison play the final? Like, I, no. I just think there's not a chance. It's it's going to be Quivin Kelleher. He's obviously been told by the coaching staff that this is your competition. And if you got to take the winning penalty to win it for us again, then you got to take the winning penalty and win it for us again. Mm. Can we just Sorry. win? Would it be nice to beat Chelsea in 90 minutes for once? I'm sure the last time we beat Chelsea for 90 minutes. There's so many nil nils and one ones at Chelsea. You know that Ch- <laughs> you know that Chelsea are just going to find form over the next month, don't you? I mean, to be fair, haven't they won the last five? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's they're, they're surprisingly in form, despite being where they are. They actually have hit form. Yeah, you know, good job. Good job not playing them like the next league game, isn't it? Marching up the table, yeah. Uh, well, who do they've got coming up on their schedule? Let's see. I mean, obviously. Oh, they got Villa in the Cup on the weekend, then us, Wolves, Crystal Palace, and then Man City on the 17th of February, and then Spurs right after that. So, I mean, if, so if, if we can get one over on them, I have absolutely no problem with Chelsea picking up an amazing vein of form for the rest of the season. I am totally okay with that. Let them get into Europe and let UEFA have a look at their books. 
I think yeah, if they don't I agree get with Europe, Madge. If they don't get Europe, I agree with Madge there. When you when you when you look at their opposition at the end, of, they're games that they should be winning. You know, I didn't even bother watching that game last night. I seen the result. I've no interest in it. It's it's. I, I agree with Madge is coming from, but we've seen with Chelsea this year. The games are dropping. Yeah, they haven't the been game, doing it. The games you go in. I don't. I didn't see that result coming. Then they go and draw with City. They're a, they're a very odd side this year. Uh, it's just literally you don't know which one turns up. Well, here's exactly. here since the start of December, they beat Brighton, lost to United, lost to Everton, beat Sheffield United, uh, beat Newcastle in the League Cup on penalties, lost to Wolves. Then they beat Palace. They beat Luton. They beat Preston in the FA Cup. They obviously beat Middlesbrough over the two legs, and they beat Fulham in the League One nil. So yeah, they. Uh, They've had a pretty pretty cushy January run, you know, end of mm-hmm. December January run in terms of fixtures. So, I mean, it's it's a big big game though. But I guess we have to come around to it. Who do you, who do you like for man of the match there, Kev? Do you know what? It's it's a tough one because, in fairness, I'd nearly give it to Joe Gomez because. I thought he was he was pretty flawless all the way through. He had a really solid, a really solid game. I, it, it was nothing extravagant. It was nothing out of the ordinary, uh, but he was effective. The best player I thought that was on the pitch was uh, McAllister up until he went off, because yeah. he did notice when he went off today. His distribution, his um, just rotating the ball and managing the game uh, was really good. But no, I'd give it to Joe Gomez, to be honest. Yeah, I like that. I mean, before we get to you, Chris, obviously we have breaking news here. Rory Fritz-Gerald says that Paul Joyce is reporting that N'Golo Conte is agreeing a loan deal back to Chelsea from Saudi Arabia in order to play his first game of the season against Liverpool. And then he will promptly disappear uh, you know again. I, I, you know, I know that's a joke, but there's a fear in me back going, that could happen, couldn't it? Oh, no. It's it's just it's like the it's like the Bond villain that just keeps coming back for one more one more go and he's like oh no yeah. he's about the same height as Odd Job so yeah that that, that actually tracks uh, who uh, who is your man of the match there Chris um I think Kev's right with Joe Gomez to be honest I was going through it thinking yeah you did notice when McAllister went off um and I probably a, a shout out to Nunes who I just thought did a really good number nine performance but. Yeah, Gomez probably is the answer, but I thought Virgil and Kwanzaa were solid. But yeah, give it to Joe because um, a lot of good stuff went through him. Uh, he, he just does inverted right back, left back, sometimes goes down the wing. You know, he just takes the piss now, really. And I think he's completed football. Yeah, I, it's uh, Kevin Ball here hitting the nail on the head. He says, imagine last season saying Gomez would be one of our best players this season. He deserves massive credit to come so strong this season. And in just the variety that we're using him in, like, when it came to the time of like, well, we're going to have to draft Joe Gomez in to play left back because Andy and Costas are both hurt. Okay, that's fine. Traditional left back, stick to the left wing, tuck in as that third, third center half. And then Trent goes out and it's just, okay, Joe, you're going to invert from the left-hand side now. And I thought in the second half, some of the play he had, I thought I was going to be so clever coming on here having Joe Gomez as my man of the match. But you guys also watched yeah. the same thing I did. In the second half, he took took up great positions in the middle of the park just to be in those little triangles. He was making brave passes that weren't suicidal. Like, Mm. he just seemed confident on the ball. He took a shot that was palmed over for a corner, so he's dialing it in. Yeah. 
from that side, he's always he's always natural on that side coming in onto his right foot. He gets a good strike on him. He's he strikes the ball really well. You see it with a, most of the games he's played off the left. When he gets a chance to cut in and have a dig, he usually hits it clean and he hits it with power. So I don't think he gets that kind of effort if he's playing on the right. I don't think he'll he takes those efforts on if he's playing on the right. I mean, but he puts off in the a left, pretty tempting ball off the right. Oh yeah, for sure. So I mean, he he strikes a lovely ball. Yeah. Question. Speaking of which, before you ask the question, cool. some of Gerald Kwanzaa's passing from the back. Oh, really? It's lovely to see the confidence of being able to play those 30, 40, 50 yard balls. They didn't work all the time, but it didn't. Like the first one went into about run nine. Yeah. You know, but it didn't stop him playing it. And he played yeah, you know? exactly, and he didn't he didn't stop playing it, and that was a lovely ball for Diaz to run onto. Uh, fullback lost him, Castagna lost him. Castagna's no Mugler, he's Belgian international. Uh, Castagna just got underneath it and lost it, but it was a lovely flighted ball. I thought some of his distribution was really, really good. Mm. Cup final, everyone's fit. I think he starts left back with <laughs> Robertson. I think Sterling starts on the right and likes to cut inside. That might actually suit Joe Gomez. And if we've got, if, if it's a meritocracy and you're going on form, he's the man in possession of the shirt. And I kind of feel like it's going it's to be a very tough call if you don't pick him. Yeah. Well, you say that, but that was good. Ah, oh, but it's a meritocracy. We've all said Kelleher has the cup, has the League Cup games, which we have done. Me personally, I still it's different for keepers. It's yeah, different for keepers. Should, but it shouldn't be. It's... You but it is. Your best team is. I might. I wouldn't be outraged if they went. Um, Joe Gomez would start left back in the final. I'd be like, no, I wouldn't be outraged, but I'd be very surprised if, in a month's time, Andy Robertson isn't back up to speed. And do you know what? It might have been a bit of a blessing in disguise because he's played a lot of football. Uh, Andy Robertson mm. between because you you got to remember with Scotland, Scotland played those uh, summer qualifiers. Uh, that just kept going and going and going into the summer. His preseason was probably shorter than everyone's, and he's he's always been one of those players that Klopp would be very hesitant to rotate. And even when he did, it was the odd time here and there. So, yeah, but you also got Robert Sterling and Jogo was a really good mate. Yeah, seen that over there. Yeah, they, they, really, they got they got really well on the pitch. I just want to see Jogo was just pick him up again and move him to one side. It'd be really fun. yeah. Uh, that would be, uh, or have Ibu Kanata do the same thing? Because who was that that ran up on Ibu at Old Fred. Trafford? Fred, yeah. Right, he just literally picked him up like a child. Went over there, stay there. Yeah, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, Ashley, I'll, uh, coming through for us again. You are amazing contributor to the chat, Ashley. Thank you for do always doing this for us. Klopp on Mo Salah says Egypt and Liverpool both want the same thing. Mo Salah fit as soon as possible. If he stays in Africa and they can't do the proper treatment. It will just delay everything. We bring him back here not to take him away from Egypt, but just to offer the best medical treatment. It's all agreed. If Salah is fit and they go to the final, he will be there. So hopefully that clears up some of the confusion in the last couple of days around what exactly the hell was happening. And we can... But let's be, let's be realistic. I can't see Egypt getting to a final. I don't, no. think, I, don't think squad's, I don't think that squad's good enough compared to some of the other African sides that are there. So... 
Deal what if the other teams players? that they're playing against don't know how to play against Egypt because all of their planning was like, how do we stop Mo Salah? And he's not there. Yeah, that, is, that is that is true. Uh, oh, Jonathan's got. I think I said this to Kev. Man, the match is Daniel Sturridge's score. Someone sent me a met. I saw it on Twitter. He said it looks like Daniel Sturridge is wearing bagpuss. That that massive scarf, the big big furry coat. Fair play. To, I mean, I must admit, Sturridge is a bit of fresh air when he when he does his interviews. Like. I think Kevin's perfectly. Like, he just bees him, and that's what I quite like. He's made for the modern t- to be the modern TV pundit. For yeah, me. Um, he he just he's brilliant on the camera. He's brilliant on the microphone, and he's in the he's been in the game as recently enough to make everything what he says relevant. Yeah, you know, so it's not like Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher, who've been out of football now for a long time. You know, uh, who haven't played the game, and the game is different. From when they played, you know, there's clips going around of a Gary Neville interview with Virgil Van Dyke asking if Carragher will get into the title-winning Liverpool squad, and the answer is going to be no because there's no way Jamie Carragher would play on the halfway line. He just couldn't do it, you know. And that's no disrespect on him and Carragher. He played 700 times for the club. He's a brilliant defender, but he's not a modern-day defender. And he'd be the first one to hold his hands up and say, "Yeah, I'm not a modern-day defender." So Listen, having someone like Daniel Sturridge in the studio, tell it, talking from the perspective of a modern day striker who, who knows what it's like to play four competitions in a season, how it's what it's like to be rotated and what it's like to be part of a squad game rather than what's your best eleven? That eleven should play every single week to come hell or high water. Yeah, yeah. Those days are gone. Those days are well over. You know they've been over for a while. It's um, yeah. it's an analysis did on uh, Darwin earlier in the season was really good. We were talking about mm. chance he was missing it and Sturridge, you know, knew how to finish. And he, he just talked about that. Oh, I had four finishes. I I used to practice certain situations. And he said, he's got the blast. He said, that's fine. I said, just need to learn a couple of caress ones or whatever. It's, he said, this situation, I do the dink. This situation, I do that. He said, but I knew. And he talked about other strikes. players. said, they wouldn't dink it there. They do a pass. So they, they're like your stock finishes. He said, Works a couple of extra stock finishes, he'd be absolutely fine. But it's like yeah. in-depth, proper analysis, just like, oh, it should score more. And, you know, it's just like, it's it in from there. It's like, it's, oh, great, yeah, that doesn't really tell me anything. It feels like some of these guys just kind of, the well runs dry. You know, you see them when they first come on and you're like, oh, this is kind of a breath of fresh air sort of thing. And then after they've been on for two, three, four, five years, it's, it's hard to stay relevant and have something new to say again and again and again. So it's good that they're starting to cycle through and bring some of the, some of the more recently retired players in. I'm not a uh, huge fan of bringing the active players. I, I don't especially know. One I don't, that's, especially one that's got, pardon my language, fuck all to do with either club. Why is Mikel Antonio on that? I put nothing against Mikel Antonio, but I'm going, you got Steve Sidwell, used to play Fulham. Makes sense. Daniel yeah. Sturridge, used to play Liverpool. Makes sense. Michael Antonio currently plays for West Ham. Doesn't support either club as far as I'm aware. No, he definitely only, doesn't support Liverpool. His only relation is, he said on his podcast that he said West Ham will, will comfortably finish above Liverpool. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. It got egg in his face and has now thrown a wobbler because Liverpool fans have given him a stick over it. Why is he on there? And his input was like, his input was, oh, I hope Fulham get through because I'd love to see a London final. Okay, that was it. That's like... Yeah, brilliant, pathetic. It's weird. Whereas if it was like 
if say it was um you know the FA Cup or it's like it was one size he played for the FA Cup, you go, oh, okay, that that makes sense. You know what I mean? Or if he was injured and West Ham are playing, makes sense because he's got it. That's what it makes. You know, there's a reason. I'm like, it doesn't really add anything to it. It's bizarre. Scouts Pete, I don't think we were talking about Manchester United signings in the last five or six years. They're one-trick ponies, and once they get a regular gig, you can't shift them. Oh, you mean the pundits? You mean the pundits? Right, right, right. I, it's Not it's well. all looking. Or uh, I mean, Kev, I imagine you're going to be doing a preview sort of gig, possibly with Gab before the uh, Norwich match on Sunday. So, Chris, what do you think? Heavily changed side? Do we see any of the kids get a start unexpectedly? Um. So I think probably goes well. So I think Allison will start because he did look quite a lot of the FA Cup last last time when we got to the final. Um, fitness prevailing. Assuming the fitness reports are right, I would expect Brenton Robson to feature. I think Trent will start. I think Owen Beck might go left back and Robson will get the last half hour because I would with Robson doing nothing tonight. Kwanzaa gets another start. It's who starts next to Kwanzaa. I think he starts Van Dyke uh, and on half time he throws Canarsie on for Van Dyke. I think they do 45 minutes each. I've got to think Joe Gomez just doesn't feature because I think Joe Gomez is going to start against Chelsea in the league. Midfield wise, this is where it's going to be tricky. I think Jones will start. I think Elliot will probably start again because he only gets the cup games. And I think it'd be one of the kids that they'll get thrown in. Probably Clark. And we'll think they'll have to play Jones to six. And then front three. I think well, Jota Jota will probably start because he didn't start tonight. Nunes because he came off early, and then I think it's a flip for coaching Gakpo and between uh, Gakpo and um, oh Gordon actually take take back Gordon might get start. It's mm. a fairly changed lineup there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I we should still probably have enough to get through that. Norwich not having the best of times currently yet in the championship. Uh, Sam Candy here. Puts out a team. Allison, Bradley, Kwanzaa, Phillips, Robertson, McConnell, Salvaslai, Elliot, Gordon, if fit, Jota, and Nunez. I'm glad I slowed oh, down to read that. Sure. I thought that said I. Sorry, I, for, I forgot Salvaslai was fit. So, well, I would say then Elliot will start on the wing and he put Salvaslai with Clark and Jones. In. I completely forgot Salvaslai was going to be fit at the weekend. Even better. Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're starting to get the bodies back now, so... Get some minutes into, you know, Robertson gets some minutes in. Trent hopefully is available on the bench on the weekend so he can, you know, come on, get some match minutes back in his legs, uh, and we can push on through from there because a couple of big league games coming up. A couple of big mm-hmm. league games coming up. Well, anything else before we get out of here, gentlemen? Sometimes There's a bit of an interesting um, show on the gossip pages on uh, BBC. Uh, Liverpool have joined Man City in the race to sign German midfielder Joshua Kimmich, 28, from Bayern Munich, as uh, being reported by Bild in Germany. If he becomes available in the summer, you have to be in that conversation to sign him. Hmm. Whether you get him or not is another question, but for me, you have to be in that conversation. If he be- if a player of that caliber becomes available, you have to be in that conversation. So that would be one to watch, see where he ends up. Because he is a top, right player. he's a top top quality player. Pardon? He gives you, he gives you a rotation. Him at right back. Well, he gives you a rotation. You can play him as a six if you want to rotate. He can play as an eight, or you can play him right back on a stride. Trent, it gives you a few options. The benefit of him is 
he would take Thiago's squad place. And I still think if you look at our midfield options, it a lot of them are on the young side. So having the odd experienced player in there who knows the ropes, you know, would be handy. But also have one who knows the ropes who can play, who's physically fit, is also quite handy. Yeah, apparently he wants to he wants to leave because um, Tommy T, the great manager that he is, keeps telling everyone that uh, he needs new DMs because the DMs he's got aren't very good and they, don't, they can't do what he wants. So I think Kim has got sick and tired of hearing it. He went, I'll just go <laughs> Isn't he talking about the starting midfield for the German national team? That's Joshua Kimmich is Joshua Kimmich is world class. Look, let's he's let's not. He's a great player. He's a world class central midfielder. And if a world-class central midfielder becomes available in the market and he's in your price range, you've got to be in the conversation to go and get him. I think he's absolute top, top tier. And oh. at 28 years of age, he is probably got five years left in him at a really top level. And with the volume of football that this club is going to be playing for the next three, four, three, four years, I think he's an absolute no-brainer. I'd hate to see him go to Man City. Genuinely. Yeah. I would genuinely hate to see him end up at Manchester City. Well, we get the pushback from Scouser Pete. Scouser says he's too old for our buying model for the money that he'd cost. He's got what? He's out of contract the following summer, 2025, yeah. he's out of contract? Hmm. Yeah. What would it take to get him out of Bayern? 50? Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing you can do is force Man City to pay top whack. So Kimmich to Chelsea for three hundred million this summer is what you're saying. I mean, give, give you can't allow Man City. You can't allow Man City have a free run at a player of that of that quality. You just can't. I think the challenge will be is wages wise. He probably won't. He's probably on most salary levels. Yeah. Yeah. So again, to whether that works in Liverpool's structure, but a purely football. Level, why not? You know what I mean? He's brilliant. There's another option here. Uh, Bayern have ended their pursuit of uh, Kieran Trippier. Fair enough. Kind of oh. knew that was going. Once that deal, that offer of 13 million got rejected, you knew that was the end of that run. The other player that would be interesting, but I think he's probably a bit too young. Not exactly what we'd be looking for. Is Javi Simons, um, Dutch international on loan at RB Leipzig. A proper talent, a proper proper talent. Um, Arsenal are looking to try. Arsenal are looking to try to get him, but I don't think he's the type of player that we really should be look that we're really looking for in the summer. But he is a quality player for sure. Yeah, he's he what? Ajax property? No, PSG. PSG. Yeah, he's a PSG. Oh. He's just he's he's literally been out and known for the last two three years. I think he's one of these players that I don't know if PSG want him back. No, I think PSG no will, will probably like to cash in on him and look to reinvest the money elsewhere. But I think he's a really talented player. He's a really, yeah. really talented player. I've one heard, of the I've best players in Europe in that position. I've heard that United look after Chief Moting. I tell you, Chief Moting has the best agents. Honestly. I've never known anyone else go from relegation with Stoke to PSG to Bayern Munich, and he might go United, and he won't be on a small chunk of change. Fair play, he's got some agents. Incredible. Wasn't he in Spain a, as well at some point? Probably. Prob he probably, probably played for Real Madrid, we just didn't realise. 
Yeah. I'm sure he was he in Spain as well. Four European cups in you. He's one point. Yeah, he's on, he's on the bench. He's on the bench when they beat us. We just didn't realize. So he's just one of those. Just one of those blokes. Him and Jocelu. Him and Jocelu <laughs> on the bench. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I would. I I would love to see Manchester United do that because uh, they're missing no, a quote wag horse shaped lump. Well, they need something else. Marshall's out for ten weeks. He's just ten he's weeks, yeah. surgery. So. Like, yeah, I mean, presumably you're going to see some action here with the final week to go in the window. I mean, obviously... It seems unlikely, doesn't it? It does, but I mean, you just... I'm thinking about, like, listening to... I think that was the Tuesday night show that Gav did with Keith and Dunner on there talking about Newcastle and how they must be constricted by the financials and stuff like that. And you think, I mean, you're like, two yeah. out of your three starting midfielders are gone for the season. Like one because he's a doughhead, and the other one because you ran him into the hospital. Yeah. Are you um, going to have Elliot Anderson and Sean Longstaff? I think they've written it off the season. I think they just said they're going to start like, just wait till the summer. Uh, I think it's the Alfie Rapp made a good point, which was when City got bought out, they were already in Europa League. Yeah. So it was to take you from the Europa League, big money, to challenge for titles. Newcastle had to be taken from relegation battle and they've done a hell of a jump to there but then to do that jump again you probably need a similar investment and that's where the three three four million leeway you get when the first new owner comes in they kind of spent all that making them from a relegation side to a european to a, a side that qualifies for europe so they can still get there it'd just be a bit slower than they want it's this myth that they have to do it in two years or that within three years they should spend all this money and they'll be there mm. The one thing I was going to say about this transfer window, I'm loving the fact that clubs are having, have realised that the penny has dropped, that they have to live mm-hmm. within their, their means, that selling players at the right time is an art form, is a skill in itself. And it's, a, it's about time that clubs like Newcastle and Newcastle fans in general need to wake up to the fact that in, re, in, real, in the real world, of football, you have to sell to buy, and mm. sustainable clubs like ourselves, Spurs, have had to sell big players to recoup money, to reinvest, and to get where we need to. And it did. We didn't do it in five minutes. It took years, you know. And the idea that they could just because they've got rich owners, the idea that they would be allowed to keep going and going and going with selling nobody, bar wood. Wood is the only player that they've sold for meaningful money, and Alan Samantha with, yeah, with, with, bro- with two broken knees. You know, they managed to get however much off the cash out of the cash point from Saudi Arabia for, for that mm-hmm. near cripple. Yeah, and I mean, what teams are going to play themselves into is kind of what Everton ended up having to do with Anthony Gordon, which is selling a pure profit, the Chelsea thing that they're having to do now, which is having to sell your best academy players. Like, I wouldn't even want to dream of living in a world where we would have to contemplate selling Trent Alexander-Arnold because he's no. pure profit. Because we need con- to balance the books. We need to get his no, we didn't have to. Listen, the I mean. beauty like, of what happened... Our, be- our ship is sailing correctly, whereas you look, Newcastle, they might end up revering that Lewis Miley. Because he has been fantastic for them this season. You know, Extremely reliable for them. 
and it's going to get to the point where somebody's going to come and knock and go, we'll take him off of your hands. And that's 25, 30 million pure profit. You know, Cole Palmer's players like that. You're seeing these are these should be the players that you want to build the core of your team around moving forward because they carry the ethos of the team because they've been at the club at the organization for years and years and years. You don't want to have your team needing to be selling your star players out of your academy. You want to sell the middling ones. You want to sell the Nico Williams and, you know, Harry Wilson's and Rian Brewster's and players like that. But you don't want to have to sell your Curtis Jones's and your Trent Alexander-Arnold's. That's, that's a good way to have the fans turn on ownership. The that's beauty of what we did in the summer was the fact that selling Fabinho, selling Jordan Henderson, because they'd signed extensions, they are off our books. They are pure pro they are as if you sold homegrown players. Yeah, so because they're they're a mon they're a, monet a monetization has already happened. Huh. So when they left the club, they left the club as pure profit. So that that's shows on the, our balance sheet. That's where the whole net that's where the whole net spend argument doesn't make sense now. Now yeah. now we should do a bit of now I've done a bit a little, little bit of reading around it is it's yeah, you yeah. bought a guy for this, you spread I mean, it over the that's the contracts and Exactly. Use makes the point there. With, yeah, use makes the point there. Well, Liverpool only need two hundred million. Yeah, if you go and spend two hundred million and you sign players over a five-year contract, you sign four players, you're paying what over five years, forty million a year. Yeah. For whatever players you can get in for those two to that two hundred million, the Premier League revenue alone covers that. You know, and then mind what you get from gate receipts, international TV rights. Champions League money, shirt sales, sponsorship deals. You know what I mean? And all you need to do to, to be able to do that is to sell probably 40, you know, have a, a gap between what you sell and what you bring in of 40 million yeah. each window. It, it's not difficult, but you have to be able to get the balance right. And having someone like Klopp there to manage that in conjunction with a director of football rather than as a, as opposites. But when they're doing it as a joint venture, they're both cleaning off the same hymn sheet. It's massive. Absolutely massive. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I, I'm just hoping when this window closes, we get a nice announcement saying, uh, I like to Trent to just sign their extensions because I think he's got is it 18 months left. You yeah. can't imagine it being just quite like that. The, that thing boxed I up. Think, to this I think it's one of those things that when the window closes, between now and the end of the season, I think you'll see the players that we want to keep, they'll get their extensions. Yeah, because yeah, there's okay. him, there's BVD and Allison. I think, are the ones that you want to box. Plus Jürgen. Yeah. And then Salah. Yeah, and most. Crossed. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Salah, and, finger, fingers crossed. I mean, look at look at the position that we're in, though. You know, not sitting there like uh, Rich Uncle Moneybags from the Monopoly board, you know, pulling your pockets out, looking for pennies down in the couch cushions or anything like that. It's almost like FSG have stayed. They, they've held their nerve long enough on keeping the team and keeping their model going of going, the rules are going to get enforced. The, and for years, and I was starting to lose faith that it was ever going to happen, that it's just that world is never going to come around. And now, finally, it looks like these PSR rules are actually going to have a little bit of bite and enforcement to them and we could be sitting very very pretty and i'm all for that but speaking of sitting pretty we find ourselves sitting in the league cup final gentlemen going for our second one in three years a dreaded match against the regular foe in this affair chelsea 
Joe Gomez gets the winner. Yeah, I you've been you have been banging that drum that Joe Gomez is going to score the winning goal. Oh man, he gets a win. I'm in I'm in town for the week. I cannot I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It will be a glorious, glorious show that day. Everybody's names will go up as Joe Gomez on the screen because we will all be in celebration of that. Uh, anything more to talk, we'll talk about the game? No. <laughs> no, all good, Matt. No. All right. I'm all well, good thanks, anyway. everybody, for joining us. You all know the rules. Please hit the thumbs up button on your way out if you haven't already. Leave comments afterwards if you think we can do anything better that doesn't involve getting rid of Chris. Uh, but most importantly, check out the link for our charity partner that we're working with. If you can donate, please help us out and donate. Throw a few foot in there if you can. If you can't, share it along with all your friends. But other than that, it's been another happy, happy midweek game for Liverpool. 1-1 at Craven Cottage, 3-2 on aggregate. We're off to the League Cup final. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. I've been Matt. We'll see you guys all later. Sports Social Podcast Network.